Romans chapter number 10. Romans 10. And as you're getting there, let me... Um, I, I want to keep in front of us about receiving because I, I don't... You know, I, I did a, a sermon series on receiving not too long ago. I wanted to give this, this illustration that um, uh, in October, a, a good friend of ours is coming, Huntsy Stain, who's from South Africa. Um, some of you all have... have been in Huntsy's meetings before. Um, Huntsy's just awesome, but he, he tells stories of um, a church in uh, Africa where he, where he's gone, and just just really, really, really powerful. I mean, this you talk about huge, crazy manifestations of the spirit, people getting healed and set free, like like you you wouldn't ever believe. And um, some of the stories that he, in fact, he's told us some of the stories. He said, "I don't share." These stories with people because they wouldn't believe them. I share the more tame stories that people would actually believe. But he said over over there in Africa, what they do is, is somebody will come in uh, and get prayer. And he said maybe they have uh, you know uh, a gaping uh, wound in their leg or they they can't walk. You know they have something wrong with their hip. He said they'll come up and get prayer, and uh, so they'll 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 get they'll get prayed for. And then they'll, they'll just turn around and, and, and they're, he said, they may not see a change immediately, but they're thanking the Lord that it's done. So they, it's like, the guy will just say, okay, you know, be healed. And then they just turn around and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for healing us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And they'll, they'll walk out. So they'll come in the next day and they're totally well. So it, a lot of receiving is done by you, you, you hear it. You see it, you, you, and you receive that. And whether you see it or not, you believe it's done, and you begin, instead of continuing to pray for that, when, once you get that, that um, release in your spirit, instead of continuing to pray for it, you just say, thank you, Lord, it's done. Whether I see it with these eyes or hear it with these ears yet or not, or feel it in, in this body, you receive it as done. Say, thank you, Jesus, it's done. And, and um, you, will see, you'll, you will receive that oftentimes a little bit later, just realize it's done in the spirit first, then in the outworking is done in the natural. So hopefully that will spark some interest. I, w- I want us all to be able to receive everything the Lord has for us. I want us all to walk in everything he has for us and not to leave one thing undone in our lives. Amen? All right, let's get into, uh, let me, let me while I'm switching gears, let me pray just briefly so that I can kind of, Switch gears here a little bit, Lord. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it is it is still relevant today. That it is um, uh, is it history? Yes, Lord, but it's not just history. It is a living, breathing document that has the power to change lives. And Lord, um, we thank you that you're here with us today. And we ask that you would speak to us, speak, speak to us through your Spirit, speak to us by your word. And uh, in any way you can use me to do it, Lord, use me. And pray that you will um, help us to receive from you and to be changed so that we'll walk out of here and uh, be different in some way. In Jesus' name, amen. What would you all do if I had someone in here to speak and they said, there's more to the story than what's right here. That what you know is just part of the story. 
and yet there's, there's more. What you have here is good and okay, it's right, but you don't have the entire truth. Would you have your guard up? Consider that this is what the Jews were feeling when Jesus and the apostles first came and spoke to them. Yes, you have Moses, and yes, Moses is good, and the, and the, the, the Old Testament is, is full of good, and it's, it's factual, it's true, and God worked in it, but you don't have the full truth. How do you think they were feeling when Paul said, what you have is great, but you need more? Probably feeling how you were feeling just a moment ago when I said, what if somebody came in and said, the Bible's good, but you need the other part of the story? You'd go, that sounds like the Mormons a lot. They have that, you know, <laughs> the, the truth plus, Right? But yet that's what the apostles did. That's what Jesus did with the Jews. They said, you've got good stuff, but you don't have it all. Now, in light of that context, think about these words from Paul as he's writing to Jews in Rome. He said, brethren, speaking to his own people. Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them, that is the Jews, is for their salvation. This is pretty striking. He's saying, they're not saved. It's for their salvation. For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes that the man who practices the righteousness which is based on law shall live by that righteousness. But the righteousness based on faith speaks as follows. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. With the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. However, they do not all heed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, 
Who has believed our report? So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. But I say, surely they have never heard, have they? Indeed they have. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, and their in their world to the I'm sorry, in their words to the ends of the world. But I say, surely Israel did not know, did they? First Moses says, I will make you jealous by which by that which is not a nation. By a nation without understanding will I anger you. And Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I became manifest to those who did not ask for me. But as for Israel, he says, all the day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. Consider, once again, Paul is speaking to the Jews. He's giving them the gospel. And the first thing that he has to overcome with the Jews is he has to convince them it's their law. He has to convince them that they're lost. Of course, he's, he's, going, he's going through and, and he's saying they're, they're an, obstinate, an obstinate people. Um, have they not heard? Yeah, they, 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 they have, but they, they, haven't, they, they have knowledge, but not the true stuff. They have works, but they don't have everything. He has to convince them that they're lost. Consider the Jews who would say, I am, a, I am a Jew going back to Abraham. My, my lineage is what brings me to this point. I am a Jew who is, who is, a, fam, who is a, a son or a daughter of a Jew, who is a mother or a father who is a Jew, going all the way back. I can trace it back to Abraham. I am God's people. Their lineage, I, like Paul, I've kept the law. I'm blameless. I've, I've kept the law all of my life. And yet Paul is speaking to him and saying, I don't care if you've kept the law. I kept the law, but I was lost. I've got all these good works. I've done all these things according to the, the, into, according to the Old Testament, the law. I've, I've done all of these things. Why is that not enough? And Paul is having to, number one, convince them that they are lost. You know, it's, um, it seems very similar to today in many ways. You know, um, maybe we're not ministering to Jews, although we might be, but so many people today in our society, they look at who they are. Are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm an American. My, my mom was a Christian. My dad was a Christian. I grew up in church. Are you a Christian? Yeah, sure. How do you know you're going to heaven? Well, I've, got, I've done all these good things. My good outweighs the bad, you know, and when I, when I, when I get to heaven and, and, and God puts them on a scale, you know, that's going to tip for the good. Right? Anybody heard that before? I'm a good person. I try to care for people. <clears throat> I, try to, I try to take care of people. I give to the poor. 
I've got these good works that I do. Sounds very similar to today. And yet Paul says, it's not enough. If it was not enough for the Jews, he says, look, I don't care if you have Abraham. I don't care if you have Moses. I don't care if you have the law. I don't care if you have, have done all these things right in the Old Testament. It's not enough. You have to have Jesus. You have to confess him with your mouth. You have to believe in him in your heart in order to be, to be saved. <clears throat> Secondly, he had to, um, they had to get lost. But they, um, they also had to, they had to hear. Okay? They had to, they actually had to hear. It doesn't matter, you know, they, they'd heard, quote unquote, heard the Old Testament. And if they were honest about it, the Old Testament points to Jesus. Right? Paul, Paul makes the point here. How will they call on him in, in, him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? How will they hear without a preacher? If people aren't told that what they have, what they think they have, is not good enough, how will they turn? In their own mind, if they're thinking, hey, I'm, I'm okay to get to heaven. I've got my good works. I've got my lineage. I've got my my. Uh, I've got everything going for me. I've got these. You know, I, I've I've given my money away. If somebody does not come along to them and say it's not enough, then how will they know? And they have to hear. Paul is saying, "Look, you all have had the word, but you've not heard. You've been a stiff-necked." people who have not listened to the gospel. As I said, the, if, if they were honest and they looked at the Old Testament, it points to Jesus. The whole thing points to Christ. But you know, If Jesus was on earth and he couldn't convince them, not all of them were going to be convinced. So the people have to be, the Jews had to be open to hearing. Open to hearing the word. Open to hearing hey, what you have had, what you believe right now is not enough. It's not going to get you there. Our society today even, they have to be able to hear. They have to be willing to hear. And I'm going to tell you, a lot of that just comes by the Holy Spirit. That's where prayer comes in. Now, Paul argued, and argued really well, and we need to be able to do the same thing. We need to be able to say, look, this is where your arguments fail. You think you're good enough, well, let me show you that you're not. Because if you, if you break any of these commandments, that means you're not good enough. Right? We need to be able to argue those things. We need to be able to say, look, there is a God in heaven. Let me show you how I can believe that and still be logical about that. We need to have those arguments and be able to use those just the same way as Paul did, or Jesus did. But really, they don't come 
unless the Holy Spirit draws us. And this is where prayer comes in. And we need to be praying. I know we do. I'm not telling you something to do that we don't do already. Okay, but I want us to encourage us to continue to pray for those who are lost. We need to pray for our friends and family that are lost. We need to pray for uh, our town in, in this area. Pray for those who are lost because it doesn't matter what arguments we have if they're not ready and willing to hear then the arguments will fall flat or it'll just make them angry I've been there we need to, need to continue to pray because they need to be able to hear they need to have a heart to hear and on our end we need to be able to speak the things logically and well so that they can hear. Israel had to, first of all, they had to get lost. They had to hear, and then they had to obey. They had to obey. Um, verse 8 says, The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, notice what, what, what is Lord there? Right. But I mean, what they're, what they're doing is not, they're, they're not just confessing that Jesus is a good person. Right? They're not just confessing that Jesus was a, a, a rabbi who died. They are saying that Jesus is God and you must submit to his lordship. Right? They have to obey. They have to realize there is a God. They are not that they are not God and they must submit and Jesus is the one who you're submitting to. Confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, believing in within your heart that God raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. For with the heart a person believes resulting in righteousness, with the mouth he confesses resulting in salvation. They have to obey. Remember, this is where this is where the kingship aspect comes in. Remember the, the list. I'll, I'll keep putting that list up in front of us, right? It's the the gospel is about the kingdom. It's about a king. It's about we we are not king of our own lives. We have to submit our lives. It can't be. Uh, I you cannot be a Christian and live however you want to. Not because we have to be better than everybody else, but, but because we have a king. And when you have a king in your life, you have to do what the king tells you to do. I remember a story years ago when I was in college. Uh, we don't have kings very much, like in, in our area, especially. You know, there's not a king of America. At least some people would argue there's not a king in America. But it, there's, not a, there's not a king in the United States, right? Um, and really, the kingship um, has lost a lot of um, splendor, if you will. But there are some places in the world where they still have a king, and that splendor is still there. And I remember the president of our school went to one of these places where they had a king. And before he went in to see the king, they gave him a bunch of protocols that you, would, you were to do. When you go in, you are never to have your head above the king. So if the king is sitting... You must be, make sure you are below where the king is. You, if that means going in on your knees, then you go in on your knees, or your hands and knees. 
but you never have your head above the king. Why? Because you, you're reverencing that the king and you're, 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 you're saying he is above me and I'm going to submit to what the king is. Now, the, as the story goes, um, uh, the president of our school, was, was the, uh, the king invited him to pray for him, so he actually he stood up and went and laid his hands on the king and prayed for him. <laughs> but the, the protocol was you, do not, you don't touch the king, you don't, go, you, don't, you don't have your head above the king, you go in as, as a servant. Right? You have to obey because there is a king in heaven. And when you are coming with your life and what, what Paul is encouraging the Jews is saying, look, you have, there is a king in heaven. You must confess him and then submit to him and obey. You know, at the, um, at the same time, <clears throat> We have to, not only do we have to obey in our lives, but we have to make sure that we're telling everybody the same thing. Let me, um, so Israel had to, I'm going to kind of switch transitions a little bit. Israel had to get lost. Before someone can get saved, they have to get lost. Okay? They had to hear, they had to obey. You know, for our part, we have to go to the lost. We have to go to the lost. I read this just a few moments ago, but how will they call on him who they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? How will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? It's our job to go to the lost and to take the gospel to those who don't know it, who don't have it. Now, we can do that in many different ways. A lot of people say, well, you know, I... I can take the I can take the gospel to my next door neighbor. Great, that's you. I can take the gospel to the the people at my work or the people at my school. I can take the gospel to. Uh, are we? Are we taking the gospel to those who are right right next to next to us? Are, the, are we taking the gospel to those at work? Are we taking the gospel anywhere? Besides right here. We have to take the gospel out. We have to take it to, to the lost. I, um, I'm looking forward to hearing all the stories from Kaylin. Kaylin got back well, this morning. Um, but uh, I kept hearing stuff um, over text messages and a few pictures here and there. And they... they um, most of y'all saw the drama that they did last year. They did the drama all over the place. And sometimes two, three times a day and um, in front of 40, 50, 60 people. And they had lots of people that, they, that came down and they were able to pray for them. And um, they, they took the gospel out. And I know <coughs> got a text message, <coughs> excuse me, got a text message uh, a couple of days ago 
They said, we are in a very high crime area. Please pray protection over the team. And um, they, they took it into a spot. Uh, in fact, um, uh, we got a text message. Okay, we're, we're leaving the, the area now. Nothing happened except a rock was thrown, <laughs> thrown at us as we were getting in the van. Um, so they were in a place that you, you it's, it's dangerous to go take the gospel. Are you willing to go to where it's dangerous? Are you willing to go where it's not known or it's it's uncomfortable? I tell you, it's uncomfortable to share the gospel. It's uncomfortable for me to share the gospel. It's uncomfortable. It's dangerous. But are you willing to go? Are you willing to go close? Are you willing to go far? Are you willing to get on a plane? I am... Um, I took a missions trip when I was in college, and I remember the um, uh, our, our contact in we went to Puerto Rico. Our contact said it's really not a missions trip unless you have a one-way ticket. Otherwise, it's just a, it's just a short term. It, it, when you when you're really a missionary, it's when you have a one-way ticket. When you say, "I'm not uh, I'm not planning on coming back for a really long time." Are you willing to go? We um, we supported a missionary uh, when I was in Oklahoma. Great, in- incredible, incredible story. This um, lady, I believe she was actually from Oklahoma. She I know she lived there for for a while. Her name's Carol Beasy. She went to uh, Uganda. Now, you ever have you heard the Children's War in Uganda from probably you know twenty plus years ago? Um, that's where she went. Is into the camp. Um, during the the children's war, and she's blonde-haired, small, little. Li- I mean, she wasn't much bigger than than Jane, right? She's little bitty thing, blonde hair, and she's going into Uganda. We had other missionaries in Uganda um, who were like in the up in the government. I said, I don't go there. I don't go where she goes. It's too dangerous. And she, she said she got a one-way ticket. She said, I don't think I'm ever going to come out, come home. She said, I'll probably die, but I'm going. And her story is incredible. When she, she'd go into these camps, and when she came and talked to us, she said, these camps, she said, it, it's God's way of bringing the gospel because there's 60,000 people all in these camps. She said, we can get all of them. We can get the gospel to all of them at a time. And she she would show the Jesus video. She um, they they would they would pray, and then people would just start coming. She'd have a, she'd have a house of prayer, and then people would just start showing up. And then uh, the the power of God w- was so strong that um, they had like these other camps that would have demonic fires. They they would be in, be in a grass hut, and, and one hut would burn um, burn down. <laughs> And the other huts right next to him have nothing. And they, they'd call her and say, what do we do? I, I, we, we, know you, we know you know God. What do we do? And she'd, she'd go in and she'd, they'd pray for this, this and find out what's going on. Take care of it. And uh, the fires would stop. They had, they had people that would, would they'd start letting out of jail because um, they got converted. But she was, she was willing as a very white 
very blonde, very, I, she, she was not the military person to go into northern Africa, uh, northern Uganda, where it was a war zone. She was directly opposite of everything that you would look, think of going to a war zone. And yet, that's where she went, and she had tremendous, tremendous success. Are you willing to go where it's hard? We have to speak. We have to speak. We have to open our mouths. How will they know unless they hear? And it's oftentimes really, really difficult. You, you, can, you can be in the situation. I remember the, uh, the first time the Lord uh, encouraged me to um, really go, tell, go minister to somebody, go tell them the gospel. I was probably 16 years old, and I remember um, I was over by the, we had a, um, uh, it was the ninth and 10th grade school. We had the high school, and it wasn't the mid-high, but it was the ninth and 10th grade um, lower high school, and there was this kid sitting on the sidewalk, and he had like spiked green hair or something, he was all by himself, and uh I was in my car, and I saw him over there. I thought, oh, boy, he needs Jesus. And in fact, I, I turned around, and I couldn't get up the guts to go actually go sit down and talk to him. I was there. I even turned around, turned the car around. I was right there, but I couldn't open my mouth. We have to speak. We have to be willing when we're in the situation to be able to open our mouths and actually give the gospel out. Now, I'll tell you, sometimes that's given the full gospel. Sometimes it's just a little bit. But don't consider that it is, that you're not a success because you may just be the one sowing the seed. And you're as much of a success to sowing the seed as the one who's reaping the harvest. You might be watering you might be sowing a little bit more. You might be fertilizing. Right? And then the, somebody comes along and reaps the harvest. But it takes all of us. It takes every single one of those process. Maybe you get to do all of it. Praise God. But you might just be sowing a seed. You might be giving that little bit. Or you might be giving the little bit right there at the tail end and where they say yes. All of them are important. But it takes us opening our mouths and actually giving the gospel out. Are you willing to open your mouth? Are you willing to actually say those things that's hard when it may be you could face rejection? Look, here in the United States we have it easy. I mean, What's the worst gonna, that's going to happen? You could be rejected by a peer, right? Really, they're not supposed to look down on you at your job even because of your religious belief. So maybe you get ostracized a little bit. Other parts of the world, you share the gospel and you get killed, right? And then if that's not enough, they kill your family too, right? We have it easy, we have to open our mouths. 
follow this. Right? And be ready. Let me, um, this may be a new one. We also have to provoke. Look at the, um, look at this, and let's see, um, I'm going to start in verse 18. But I say, surely have they, they have never heard, have they? Indeed they have. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. But I say, surely Israel did not know, did they? First, Moses says, I will make you jealous by that which is not a nation. By a nation without understanding will I anger you. Isaiah is very bold and says, I, I was found by those who did not seek me. I became manifest to those who did not ask for me. What, what Paul is saying is the, the job of the church is to provoke, and specifically here he's saying provoke Israel to jealousy. Israel is supposed to look at the church and say, they've got the blessings that I'm supposed to have. I want what they've got. They've got the blessings of Abraham that I'm supposed to have. I want what they've got. How do I get what they have? But let me ask you, are we provoking the world to jealousy of us? What do you have, what do we have that someone who doesn't know Jesus is going to say, I want what they've got? What's money, of course, right? We, if, if we just get more money, then they'll say, I want what they've got. <laughs> no, it, it, it's, it's not. Or the better job, right? If all the people in the church have the better jobs, everybody out there is going to say, I want to be a part of that church. I want you all to think about that for a minute. I've got some ideas I'm going I'm to share with you, but... I want you to think about what do I have personally, individually, or what do we have as a group that people out there are going to want and say, I want to be a part of that group. I want what Steve has. I want what Tim has. I want what, what, what Joanne has. I, I, want, I want to be a part of whatever she is, whatever she's a part of. I want that. I think part of it is, I think part of it's that that power dimension that I mentioned in the last couple of weeks. It's that power dimension of the gospel. That's part of it. But you know what? I think it, it is more than anything. And of course, we we know that they need salvation. And a lot of times, people are going to say, you know what? I my life is such a mess that I've got to get it fixed. But let's face it: there's a lot of people out there that they've got what they would consider a good life. They've got a nice family. They've either got a good job or they've retired from their job. They've got enough They've got enough pay. They've got a nice car. They've got a nice house. You say, you know what, you need what I got. You say, why do I need what you have? I've got everything I need. Right?
I don't think anybody can get the acceptance and the love that comes from Jesus. They need, they need to be able to come to a place where they are accepted and loved and cared for, no matter if they have $10 million in the bank account or $10 in the bank account. They can come and they can be loved and accepted and brought into a group and taken care of, no matter what they look like. What, whatever they look like on the outside or whatever they look like on the inside. They can come in and be loved. So I think part of it's the power dimension. I do because they're they're not going to they they're not going to have the power out there, the power to set free, save, deliver, heal. But that's really more kind of a dinner bell to the to the hungry. That's that's the that's the thing that oftentimes opens the door. What they really, I believe, what really people want to need is they want to come to a place where people are real, but they are also they they are just so full of love and so full of caring, so full of acceptance that they can walk in and they know their home. Are we provoking the people out there to jealousy? How can we? How can we be an example of what they want? You want to give a, a challenge? What if each one of us were to see one person saved every year? Just one. I'm not saying you need, to, you need to get out there and, and every day you need to go out there and, and try to get as many as you can. What if every one of us, let's say there's 20, okay, every one of us can see one person get saved each year. Listen to these numbers. If we, if we start with 20 in one year, okay, year two, you'd have 40. Year three, you'd, you'd have 80. Four, you'd have 160. Five, 320. Six years, 640 people. Seven, 1,280. Eight, 2,560. Nine, 5,120. And in 10 years, 10,2 Each one win one. Each one just win one every year. Can we do that? Let's, let's just pray that the Lord will give us one person. And if you if you if you join me in that, let's. Let's ask that the Lord would give each one, of, and, and maybe the Lord would be gracious and He'll multiply that, right? Give us each one. Give us five. That'd be awesome. But, but it, it, at least one. And then for our part, what do we need to do? Right for our part, we got to go. 
we got to be willing to go wherever that is, whether that's across the street or whether that's to Cuba, right? We got to go. We got to actually open our mouths, which means all of you are going to be preaching this next year, right? <laughs> we we got to open our mouths, but we also we have to provoke them to jealousy. What in your life? Is is somebody going to look at it and say, I want what she has. I want to be a part of that. Each one, win one. I want to pray for you. If you would pray this dangerous prayer with me, okay? And let's just believe that God, this is a prayer I believe God wants to answer. It's going to take us two, okay? But let's pray that the Lord will answer this prayer for us. Each year, each one win one. Father, thank you so much that I, I know your word says that you loved the world so much that you gave your very best. You gave your one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Started with your love, Lord. Lord, help us to love the world in that manner. That, not that we go after the worldly things, but we love the world, and we want them to come to know you. And we'll be willing to do what it takes. Lord, I'm asking for a for a big thing. It looks really small, but I know it's big. Lord, for each one in here who would say, yes, that's me, Lord. I pray that you'll give each one of us one salvation this year. Each year, each and every year, at least one person that we're able to speak to and that they say yes to you. Lord, I'm asking that for me. Give me at least one, Lord, that I can say that's one that I actually, I walk through the process. Lord, I pray for each person also that, that saying yes to that, Lord, that you will give us the boldness to go wherever that might be. Lord, the boldness to speak because so many times we would get to the point we just don't want to open our mouths. We're scared, we're intimidated, we don't think we know enough. Lord, let us just open them anyway and let you fill, fill those, our mouths with your word. Lord, use us. Do this, I pray. As Jesus prayed, he said, your kingdom come on earth 
as it is in heaven. Lord, let your kingdom come on earth. Your will be done and use us to do it. And Lord, as we go today, I, I bless each person here. I bless them in the name of the Lord. I pray that you will go before them, that you would be their rear guard. Lord, that your provision will be upon them, that, that, that whatever it is that they need for life, that you'll provide for them. Lord, that you would um, uh, bind every evil assignment from them, that they would be set free and that nothing would be able to come against them or near them to harm them in any way. Lord, that, that we would walk in the full measure of the blessings of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And that we would be a light to this world. In Jesus' name.